0: I'd bought it for all the wrong reasons. I bought it to make money. I didn't do it because I was uniquely qualified to do this. So what happened was I got to a point where I realised I needed to pull the pin, and literally I closed the doors one day, locked them, and walked away.
1: Hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever stories of loss to keep you winning in our community We know that to win in investing. You must take risk, but to win big You've got to reduce it join our community to claim your podcast listener discount on my valuation Masterclass bootcamp where students learn how to value companies like a pro and advance their career Go to myworstinvestmentever.com to join our community for free fellow risk takers this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotz from A Stotz Academy. And I'm here with featured guest, Jeff Bullis. Jeff, are you ready to rock?
0: Absolutely. Let's rock and roll.
1: <laughs> we are ready. We just had a really nice conversation. I've enjoyed learning more about you, and I want to introduce you to the audience. So, Jeff Bullis is the owner of jeffbullis.com. And you can go there right now, ladies and gentlemen. There's a lot of cool stuff. Forbes calls him a top influencer of chief marketing officers and the world's top social media talent. Entrepreneur lists him among 50 online marketing influencers to watch. Inc.com has him on the list of 20 digital marketing experts to follow on Twitter. Jeff, take a minute and fill in further tidbits
0: about your life. <laughs> Everyone. I've had a, I have had was originally started as a teacher, and I hated it. I was also brought up in a very fundamentalist Christian family and left that, and that's another story. We might touch on that later. I leapt into the tech industry and been riding the different waves of tech and trends ever since, and leaving teaching was the best thing I ever did. And we've had a lot of fun along the way, met a lot of fabulous people, and we started JeffBullis.com in 2009. It was just a passion project. It had no business plan, but I was just so curious about what I was watching unfold with social media in 2008, 2009. So what was the driver? Curiosity.
1: Mm -hmm. And so how do you satisfy curiosity? You do that through writing. You do that through interviews. You do that through reading. What's your method?
0: I now have multiple methods. The original method was when I started the blog, it was very much a written blog, still is today. I write to learn, I write to discover and that satisfies my curiosity. So what I started was I wrote my blog myself for quite a few years. It was essentially a side hustle. I was unemployed at the time when I started it. Within a week or two, I got a job in a digital agency building online stores for e-commerce and I did it in my spare time after work and before work so but for four years I discovered that the best time for me was to write early morning so for four years I got up at 4:30 a.m and wrote till 9 a.m and then I'd put on my business development hat for the digital agency and before then I'd written I'd published, hit the publish button on a WordPress blog, and I had then sent out an email and shared it on social media. At 9 a.m., I started my day job. So, yeah, I was driven. And I'm now I'm very curious about what creates that fire in the belly. And that's another big question as well. So,
1: it's interesting. Let me ask you when you did that writing early in the morning. Was each day another topic or were you building something that you were then going to, let's say, four days and then you would publish that, something that
0: you worked on for a week? No, different topic every day. So I sometimes set up draft topic headlines and intro, maybe a link to a site. And then I would be wrestling and wrangling the research and writing into something that would be coherent and make sense to my readers Occasionally I didn't hit publish because I wasn't happy, but I'm not a perfectionist. But
1: mm.
0: what that revealed to me, one, is that I loved word wrangling. I'd fallen in love with words. I'd fallen in love with reading when I was six. But what I discovered that the gift of writing and creating is that when you actually have to take this noise that's all around us and we live in a very, very noisy world and you've got to distill it into something that makes sense, you learn a lot. It's almost like an accelerated boot camp for learning. And I became known as an expert on social media. I wouldn't call myself an expert in social media today because it's such a big topic and I've sort of evolved on, move on to my next, you know, different topics that intrigue me and I want to learn about. So, But today I launched a podcast called The Jeff Buller Show. Again, I couldn't come up with a better name. So I did a daily workshop on it and came up with Jeff Bullish Show podcast. What I love about using my name was it creates a personal brand. Number two, if I'm slightly bored with a topic in my journey, I can actually evolve it to something else. So the podcast is where I interview these fabulous people around the world about how they started their businesses. Typically, we focus on digital businesses because we're in one of the most... I suppose disruptive times in the transforming of business we've ever seen. We've moved from the industrial age, we moved into the knowledge age, now into the technology age. And it's the range of tools we have, the platforms to run a business from anywhere in the world and reach a global audience is mind-boggling. And that was one of the things I loved when I discovered social media back in 2008 was I went, this is going to be a game changer. And I was so curious about it, I decided to write about it. And so that's how it all started.
1: Mm. And one curious, you know, thing that I have is that when I write and I try to write one big, (laughs) big piece per week, And mine is usually about investing. It can be about other things. But, you know, last week I wrote about how do you position a portfolio for a potential fall in, let's say, the U.S. market. And I showed, you know, I went through and I have lots of charts and graphs and I have to kind of analyze a lot of numbers and think about that because I want to prove what I'm saying. You know, I don't want to just say it. And I've always kind of envied some people that I know who have written They just write kind of flow of consciousness and then they say, put in a chart of this here or chart of that there. I have to work those numbers until I see the chart and it makes sense to me. Then I start to write. But my question to you is, how do you prevent yourself from getting sidetracked or going too deep into something? When you were doing that early morning writing, you know, you you have to at some point go, okay, that's all I can look at Wikipedia on that. Now I've got to, you know, how do you keep yourself focused so you do end up every day with that? results this is going to be valuable you know feedback here for the audience and for myself
0: okay so firstly you've got a time block you've got to set a time where it's you uninterrupted what i loved about 4 30 a.m was no one else is up even the dog's asleep i didn't have a dog by the way but my partner was asleep i sometimes even drove to the office and worked in an empty office till everyone started showing up so i set myself a deadline i needed to publish by 9am so when you have a time block and you've got a publishing deadline that gets you focused yeah yeah okay
1: i like that in fact you inspire me and i'm i'm going to be thinking about that as i go through my life because I really the other thing I love is video. So I do a lot of charts and graphs. I put it together into a PowerPoint format rather than a blog format, and then I record a video and then I you know post that video. And I certainly have a lot more content in my head that I want to get out, and uh, the deadline and all that I think is uh, is a good good reminder.
0: Yeah, well, I think the other part of it, you are in a different industry, which is a bit more facts and figures driven, and you are advising people. Whereas I'm, I'm essentially a bit more in the creative side, okay, advertising, marketing, entrepreneurship, and these are a little bit more creative. Mm-hmm. So they're my ideas. Yes, I'll try and validate them with data sometimes, but the reality is that I think you've got to work out your own way. I think when I grow up, I want to be you know, Steve Jobs. I think that what you've really got to say to yourself is when I grow up, I want to be me
1: it's so funny how it's so hard to be me, you know, in society, yeah. you were talking about growing up and, you know, the names that people called us and that type of stuff. And you just <laughs> think that it's like the, all the pressures in society is just like to not be yourself. And, uh, oh, yeah. I, can, I think back to school. And I think about some, uh, friends of mine that just didn't give a shit about what other people thought. And I just think now, wow, how brave, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know what drove them to be that way, but you know they just didn't care so much. And maybe inside they did, but you know they didn't show it. But yeah. as we get older, it, it is more and more about just being ourselves.
0: Yeah. Well, the older I've
1: got, the more I don't give a shit. Amen, brother. Well, <laughs> here's something we got to care about, and that is the mistakes that we make and what we can learn from. So now it's time <laughs> to share your worst investment ever, and since. No one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be. Tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: So, I had just bought some property an hour or so out of Sydney for the family. And I was doing remote, I was doing traveling to Sydney consulting. And it was a bit around the dot com crash in 2000. So, the consulting, and I was consulting too in the IT business development around, around, um, you know, internet service providers, which and because I'd worked for one of the first ISPs in Australia, in fact, a couple of them. And I had expertise and experience in that space. So I was doing business development and consulting for bigger firms that wanted to create virtual ISPs or buy ISPs. So that dried up and I said, okay, and I was traveling backwards and forwards. I hate commuting. So I said I need to find a business that I can, you know, generate revenue from. And so I ended up buying a retail business. It was a mattress and bedding furniture store. And I bought the business. I didn't do enough due diligence. I didn't get enough advice. And within a day or two of moving in and buying it, I realized I made the wrong decision. But it started chewing up cash. It wasn't making any money or some months it was. And my bank balance getting lower and lower. I pivoted to another location, took out a long-term lease. I just literally hated it. I was in the store seven days a week. I felt trapped. I'd bought it for all the wrong reasons. I bought it to make money. I didn't do it because I was uniquely qualified to do this. So... What happened was I got to a point where I realized I needed to pull the pin and literally I closed the doors one day, locked them and walked away. And then as we know with anything with that, that creditors show up, the banks show up. So what were the consequences? Well, number one, my marriage broke up because I'd had a couple of mistakes before in the past and she didn't want to stay around. So she walked away. I was left alone in the family home on my own for the next six months, uh, waiting for the sheriff to show up to take the bit, the property. So I realized that that was imminent. So my brother said to me, come and stay with me, Jeff. So I went and moved out literally again, shut the door, walked away, and yeah, within three or four weeks, the bank had taken property possession. So here I was, hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt, lost the family, lost the home, not knowing what to do. So that was the worst decision ever. Mm. So I went with my brother and I was... I decided that I needed to go back to what I was enjoyed doing and loved doing rather than just chase the money. And I'd been in digital a long time, so I started doing research on digital businesses. And as a lover of reading, growing up at primary school, I was basically the librarian's best friend because I showed up every lunchtime and read. I used to read at night. Parents would say, turn off the lights, Jeff. I would dutifully. It was 830 They'd go to bed, I'd wait for the house to go quiet and then my bedside lamp was pulled under the covers and I read till I fell asleep (laughs) with no glow of lamp being shown because it was under the covers. So I started reading, I read a lot of blogs, I read books and so I had a safe haven, which is my brother's place and he didn't charge much rent and so he was an accountant and, and accountants have unique qualities. And as I opened the pantry, just shortly after I moved in and set up my room and set up a desk in the corner of the living room, I opened the pantry and I realised he had it so well organised that he had an item lined up and a spare behind it. And I realised that living with my brother was going to be uh, very well organised and I needed to be on my best behaviour, otherwise I would be homeless again. So, but we got on very well. In fact, the gift of that was I spent a year with my brother it was pretty special, yeah, yeah. And so, I what happened was, in the meantime, I'd taken a spare spare job, a part time job, working in real estate. Which again, I discovered I hated, but it was putting food on the table to get me from A to B. So, what happened was, I read Tim Ferriss's For Our Work Week, which opened my eyes to the possibility of digital businesses rather than just being a consultant trading time for money, and. I also read David Meeman Scott's New Rules of Marketing and PR, which opened my eyes to the possibility of if you create content online, it attracts an audience. In other words, it's the term he used back then was inbound marketing. Today we use the term content marketing. And I went, as an ex-salesman working in the technology industry, I was used to knocking on doors, making cold calls. So the idea of customers showing up rather than chasing them was very attractive and then i read a i discovered social media and i was fascinated by the obsession people showed at the technology this intersection of humanity and technology that's what social media is so you know facebook or twitter it's it's tech enabling humanity And in the early days, in a very beautiful way, but I observed people's behaviour and went, wow, there's something going on. And I went, okay, so I could build distribution on social media. I could create content. So I read my last thing that pushed me out of the line was a blog post by HubSpot which said, if you want to start a business, just start a blog. And so what do I write about? I said, well, social media is fascinating. I was curious as heck about that. So in March two thousand and nine, I started a blog just to put my insights in a very amateur way into the blog about social media and how it could be used to grow your business, even though I knew nothing about it except a curiosity. And that was the uh, basically the wild west days of social media, and it was fascinating. And that's how it all started. Wow!
1: So tell me, what lessons did you learn from? this experience
0: don't do it just for the money Mm. Yep, yep, yep you've got to it's got to come from a few other areas it's got to be are you uniquely qualified to do this in other words are you are you curious about this have you expertise and experience in this or in an associated area and also the other part of it is do you have a passion for it And I don't mean passion in the loose sense. I mean, is this your purpose? But you don't know. But what I did discover, what was really important here, was just start, step over the line and share your gift or creation with the world. In other words, create and share, and then the world will show up. And what happened was, as I shared my very amateur writing initially with the world, what happened is I realised I was making a little difference in the world, but I was changing the world in my own small way and the world was changing me as I got feedback in real time from the planet as people commented and shared what they liked and didn't like about what I wrote. So I think it's really important to not just chase the money but to really try and tap into why, why are you here? And that's yeah. a big question. That is a really big question. Yeah, yeah. But the only way to discover why you're here is actually starting and creating and sharing and the world will tell you and it will show up.
1: Hmm. Maybe I'll share a few things that I I took away from your story. I mean, the first thing you mentioned about is that I should have done more due diligence. And the number one mistake that I see people make is that they fail to do their research. And it's very often the case that we see an opportunity, we get so kind of seduced by it that we end up, putting aside what we normally would do because we're you know, excited about it. The second thing that I wrote down while you were talking is that I wrote down money as a result. In other yeah. words, money is like an, is an outcome of your passion. Exactly. And if you're getting it right in business, it means, okay, let's just go through the P and L of a company on a P and L we have revenue. If your revenue is growing, it means people want to buy your product. That's, validation and they're paying you for it. If we go to the next level and we say, what's your gross profit margin? That next question is, can you produce this product profitably? So it's, can you sell the product? Can you produce it product profitably? And then below the gross margin, we go down to an operating margin. And the question is, can you operate this business profitably? That means the cost related to the management team, the cost related to marketing, the distribution, all of those things. And then finally, you know, when you get down to profit, profit is the end result of not just an idea, but all the steps there. And, and so I like to think of money as, as a result. And also, I wrote down business failure and confidence. And one thing I can say is that for all of us, you know, all the listeners out there, myself included, failure can be so destructive to our confidence and there's you know there's a failure that can happen when you're in the middle of something where people lose confidence in your ability to make this dream come true and then there's just also a failure in confidence where people just say i'm not going all along for your ride and there are whether that's in your company or in your relationships. You know, sometimes we have to accept the fact that we are sometimes willing to bring on a lot more risk than the people around us. And they may see that risk very differently. And so I know how it feels about failure because it can shake not only your personal confidence, but the confidence of the people around you. And the last thing I want to say is it's not illegal in most countries to fail in business. Now, if you if you defraud people in that process, now you're crossing the line into illegal activities. So for the listeners out there, you know, it's sometimes you're going to fail and you've got to just walk away. That is not illegal in almost every country in the world. And therefore, just make sure you don't defraud people. And then sometimes businesses have to be closed. Anything you would add to that?
0: Yeah, it's interesting hearing about that attitude. I think It's really interesting. Is one one of the things I love about the American business culture is that failure is quite often seen as a badge of honor. And whereas in Australia, it's not quite that way. I think it's changing, but the entrepreneurial spirit in America has got this one where you had to go, you failed. Whereas in Australia, it's not quite there in terms of that attitude. But yes, you got to, okay. And that's why you started a proprietary company. In other words, it's a separate entity that can fail without affecting you personally if you set up the structures correctly. So, yeah. But, yeah, it's it's tough. Business isn't easy and that's... So my podcast, Jeff Show, where I interview entrepreneurs, especially in the digital business space, software as a service companies and so on, I'm fascinated by their attitudes, their story, and what they've got to share with the world because... Everyone's. I just get blown away with the creativity of the human spirit to come up with ideas. And, you know, being an entrepreneur is an incredibly creative process. I I hear business ideas that have just come out of the ether and going, where did that come from? You know what, a lot of the time it comes out of what they're uniquely qualified for. Mm -hmm. And I interviewed a guest recently and asked him, okay, what's your... He was an expert in business plans. I said, okay, can you tell us what the core elements of a successful business plan? He said, just two, just two. Number one, can you write in one sentence what your product is? It's called the elevator pitch. Number two, write down why you're uniquely qualified to provide this product or service. Now, when you do that, And I did that actually after that podcast I sat down and I wrote because I have a new product I'm launching and I've been wrestling with my team a little bit on how that product looks. And we're launching that this year and we've just registered a new media company called Big Bulldog Media. That's not the name of the brand because I was called Big Bulldog at school, just Mm -hmm. an aside. So when I wrote down, as I started writing down why I and the team are uniquely qualified to do this. I wrote 10 different reasons why we're uniquely qualified. And I went, "Uh uh-huh, I think this is the right direction. But guess what? You still don't know until we hit the start button. But I'm curious. I'm curious about will this idea work? But I believe, you know, I'm uniquely qualified to deliver Mm. and create this product. But I think that exercise for me was an incredible aha moment. And I think if you're going to start a business just doing those two things, that's just a one-page business plan. Yeah. The rest is just the detail.
1: It's a great story. And I'm going to have to go listen to that episode. It's while you were speaking, I, I typed in the word unique and looked for the definition and this is a challenging word in the world of marketing in the world of business because unique means having no like or equal unmatched sole unequaled single in its kind or excellence often used relatively and then signifying rare and unusual so for the listeners out there what is your uniqueness in the space where you are and if anybody else can have that uniqueness, then it may not be as unique as you think. And I remember a marketing manager at one of the companies that I advise got up and said, here's our, here's our unique, you know, USP, our unique selling proposition. And I said, can the competitor do that? Yes, not unique. Can the competitor do that? Yes, not unique. But I, I want to put it to the test here, Jeff. So let me, let me tell you about my... Valuation Masterclass Bootcamp. Here it is in one statement. It's a complete proven step-by-step course to guide you from novice to valuation expert. So that's my one line of what it is, what makes me uniquely qualified. I started, with, I started at ground zero in the financial world and I was voted the uh, number one analyst in Thailand many years after starting, so I've done the journey of learning how to value and value successfully, and that's the reason why I'm uniquely qualified to teach that. Would that pass the test?
0: Absolutely. I think you bring your own flavour to it. Now, I would add something else to uniqueness. Mm. You've heard of you know, the secret sauces and spices that make up Kentucky Fried Chicken, right? Yeah. Okay. Your business and what you bring to the world is a recipe. So I think at the centre lies you and then it's your business is your curation of an idea and I think that it, on its own makes things unique. Mm. So
1: bring out your your own style, bringing your own style into something brings that uniqueness.
0: Your own story, your own recipe to, to the world. And uh, so... Yeah, that's, 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 what, that's what I believe in.
1: So I have a, a course that I teach called Finance Made Ridiculously Simple. And in the beginning, I, I was started, to, you know, I have, I have my video aspect. And so I introduced myself that, you know, I'm a financial analyst, but I also own this coffee factory and, you know, here's a little bit about it. And then I got on to teaching and I got feedback from students when I asked them to give testimonials or other things. And they said, I like the fact that Andrew's not just an analyst that he's also a business owner. And so he taught in that way. And I thought, ah, now there's a uniqueness. And so I started redesigning the course around my coffee business. What is raw material? Oh, well, that's a green coffee bean. What is work in process? Well, that's this, and so I took a picture in the factory of here's this piece of equipment that's processing that inventory and that equipment is a fixed asset. Oh, and here's the finished good, which is a bag of coffee. You know, and so I started incorporating my story into the way that I taught. And then I tried to build my uniqueness around that. So I think I'm trying to do what you're saying. Well, I would
0: say that uh, that is your uniqueness. Hmm. Hmm. How many financial analysts actually run a real hands-on business? I could almost say close to zero. So you bring a hands-on to being an analyst that not many people can do. And that's your story. No Hmm. one. No one can take your story because it's yours. Yep. That's unique. So listeners,
1: take this to heart. This is great, great advice. And, you know, sit down and, and, and think about what is that and ask people around you, you know, what is your uniqueness? And uh, it doesn't have to be that you invented something that nobody else invented. What Jeff's telling us here is that uniqueness is first it starts with ourselves, our journey, what we've experienced. And that's a great starting point. So based upon what you learned from the story that you just told us and what you continue to learn, what one action would you recommend our listeners take to avoid suffering the same fate?
0: One action, don't force it. I think we live in a perfect world, but it doesn't unfold in the way we want it. Mm. And when you try and force it, generally bad things happen. When
1: we we talked earlier, you you mentioned, I think it was before we turned on the recorder, you talked about flow or maybe it was after. I can't remember. Yeah, flow.
0: In other words, I think when you meet resistance, and I don't mean not doing the work, I mean that you're trying to make things happen and we're we're told to hustle, right? Especially, you know, the business world says you've got to hustle. And sure, but I think that the units will tell you when it's not working and then I think you need to be able to reflect in the silence and going am I being taught a lesson here is this so and I reflect on what's happened to me when I bought that business I was forcing the issue I was rushing into it and I reflect on a few other times in my life and I looked at when I started jeffbullis.com there was no resistance except from maybe learn and doing a bit of work but it was it just flowed And what I'm now really curious about is I was like a nuclear engine, a nuclear reactor. I just showed up every day and did the work. And I reflected on that and on why. Why did I do that? Number one, curiosity. What also fueled that was I got a sense of fulfilment as I completed something every day, an accomplishment. The world gave me positive feedback. I got affirmed and that's what's great about social media was it affirms what's working, what doesn't. I also discovered the joy of learning and learning is a lifetime journey. Mm. And the other thing that I think is is your mission or purpose, which is to make a difference. And part of what we're launching this year is um, essentially, it's a bit like Joseph's Campbell story where he had the call He went and got initiated, learned from the mentors and people around him. And then this is Star Wars, by the way, Star Wars story. Luke Skywalker had the call, was initiated and then brought back to the world his gifts and his insights. So the product we're launching is going to be around that core philosophy of life, of making a difference. But I think is the more wise you have, why am I doing this? It might be to buy a beautiful home for the family. It might be, you know, you're just curious. It's I just want to learn. I think the more wise you have, the more more powerful the engine is, and the motivation and the drive. And look, I don't have the perfect answer to that, but I I look at other people and just going, wow, you're you're just like a force of nature. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it takes ten years to actually get to where you want to be. Mm-hmm. So. Play the long game, this is what we've also talked about as well. And I think it's really important that we play the long game. But if you enjoy the journey, doing the work isn't hard. And if you've got enough whys, then I think you're going to get up every day and do the
1: work. Ladies and gentlemen, what's your why? And uh, that's a core motivator. Let me ask you one last question about this, and that is how many – days or weeks or months or years did you get up at four in the morning and start you know writing i did
0: that for four years
1: ladies and gentlemen play the long game that's a great evidence of that and i appreciate that all right last question what's your number one goal for the next 12 months
0: is to launch the new product and have some fun doing it Mm -hmm. exciting And I think the other part I'm playing with as well at the moment, and it extends even into investing, it also extends into your exercise, it also extends into your reading, it also extends into your business, is the question I'm trying to ask now is, and it comes a little bit from my exercise habit I've had since I was 12 when I had asthma, if you can make what you do fun and playful and try and work out a way to do that, then you'll continue to do it. I love running. I discovered also I love cycling. And guess what? 50 years later, I'm still doing it. And I'm trying to make the world of investing fun because I'm in a bit of a journey of investing as well. And I've created a shared document with a mate of mine who loves to invest in shares as well. And we're making it fun. So I think if you can weave fun into everything you do, what's relationships, whether it's exercise, what's investing, or whether it's business, I think... It's it's an area I'm playing with, but it's weaving fun and play into everything I do. Mm, mm, Exciting. But not without due due diligence, of course. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We learn
1: that now. And uh, it's funny because I I never really exercised most of my life, and at roughly 30, 35, I started exercising. And I can say I never really developed that I-like-exercise gene and most people that see me exercise think that I really like exercise. But, you know, what I've done is I've come up with a mental tricks and games and stuff like that <laughs> to try to make it fun. So basically, when I was in university, I used to promise myself that I would be the f- first person in the library when they opened the door to the library on Saturday and Sunday. And they opened wow. the door at 9 a.m., and, you know, a lady would come out with a key. She had already been inside, and she'd come in and unlock the door, and then we'd all go inside. Not like there was a, a, a rush of people there, but, you know, it was a couple <laughs> people. But I just always made it a goal that I would be there when they opened the doors. And so that was, like, my motivating thing that kind of kept me focused. Like, okay, get out, the, get out of the house now. we got to get going. And now my uh, security guard at our place kind of opens up the gate at about 5. So I think, okay, I'm going to be there at 5 when he opens up the gate. And then I'd say, okay, I want to be outside before anybody else is out there. You know, I just just want to do it on my own. Yep. Then I found an app that is an interval app that just says work for 30 seconds. And then I, you know, I run a little faster. And then, I, then it says, you know, rest for three minutes. And I just have it set like that. So I do a little bit of interval stuff. Hmm. And then... And I tell myself, you know, seven kilometers is around the block, around the neighborhood here. So I think just do that. And now I'm on day 16 of doing that, you know. And before that, I was riding my bike or I was walking. But now I'm trying to kind of pick up the pace with this. And this morning I had my first interview, you know, appointment basically at 6 a.m., which basically meant I had to get up about four to get, <laughs> I had to be out the door at four to get that in. But I didn't even want to miss one day because I'm on a streak 16 days. So a lot mm-hmm. of it's just like these mental games that I'm playing with myself, but it gets me doing it. So sometimes, you know, sometimes we really just love what we're doing and sometimes we just got to figure out ways to make it fun.
0: Uh, exactly. Either love what you're doing or figure out ways to make it fun. And that's and that, again, is a creative exercise in its own way. Because and, and I, I, I really believe that as humans, we're innately creative. And the world of business is just as creative as an artist yeah. or a photographer. It's a game of creating and sharing with the world. And, sure. and like you said, money is just the result. It's the indicator of whether it's working or not. Yeah. Is it resistance or is it flow? Yeah. And remember on that
1: P&L, the revenue is evidence that you got a good idea. The gross profit is a measure of whether you can produce it profitably. And then the operating profit or the net profit, we could also say, is a measure of whether you can operate that business profitably. You may be good at creating, but you may not be good at operating. But ultimately, to get that profit at the bottom line, you need all of those skills together. And that's why the the job of entrepreneurs is is a multidimensional,
0: you know. Yeah, it's very fascinating, that area. And we have a look at some of the best partnerships in the world, like Steve Jobs and, and... Wozniak. Steve was a visionary, but not the ex the one who executed. That was Wozniak. So I think those intersections over the years have been just fabulous to observe. And yes, you need both. You need you need the dream and the vision, and then you need to execute. And if you if it's not a partner, rent them. Okay, buy them. You can buy time, it's called an employee. Or a (laughs) freelancer.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Good advice, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listener, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To do this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com. When you join also, you're going to get that special discount to the Valuation Masterclass Bootcamp. As we conclude, Jeff, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. And on behalf of A A-Starts Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words
0: for the audience? Just start and learn and don't try and be a perfectionist. Beautiful.
1: Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow and protect our wealth. Fellow risk takers, This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.